and welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. Uh, we are pleased to have you with us today as we take a look at the full season one of Ahsoka, uh, something that I suspect that we both really enjoyed a lot. Before we get going, a little bit of housekeeping here. I want to remind you we are uh, 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 supported by ProgressiveChristianity.org. We encourage you to go check them out. You'll find all kinds of great resources uh, for your progressive Christian needs. And while you're checking them out, make sure that you are following us, the Moonshine Jesus Show on Facebook, and that you are downloading the podcast and all the places you get your podcast. And most importantly, reminder that we are going to be gleefully spoiling this season for you. So uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, you don't want it to be spoiled, bookmark this and come back to our discussion. We promise you it's going to be a fun one. Uh, but more importantly, uh, I want to welcome Caleb. How are you doing today, sir? Good to have you here. I am great to uh, glad to be here, and I am glad that we're not just spoiling this, but we're spoiling it gleefully. gleefully. I like that. Yes, yeah, I'm ready to absolutely. gleefully spoil the show. Yeah. Well, are you also willing and ready to gleefully enjoy a drink while you do so? Um, of course. I am of always course. willing to well, do what, that. What did you end up going with? Okay, so I'm calling this a galaxy far, far away since oh, in the like second it. half of the season, they went to a galaxy far, far away. And so this is... One part rum, one part vanilla vodka, one part blue curacao. And it has sprinkles uh -huh. and planetary ice cubes. But look, it is black. Ooh. You can kind of see the sparkles. There's stars so, in it. Yeah. Yeah. See, and so like it's this. the sprinkles. So it was yeah. blue. And I put in these black sprinkles. And slowly, it kind of faded through here, like nice. galactic swirling, until it was like a black it. galaxy. It was as if the dark side was taking over <laughs> this galaxy, and now there are little sparkles of light and hope as yeah. they're floating around these planets. So that's what I'm drinking, a galaxy far, far away. Uh, How about you? I love it. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have anything nearly that creative. As a matter of fact, I just kind of went with a general Star Wars drink. And admittedly, mm -hmm. it, it is... As Ashoka was coming out, there was lots of theories about what would go on in this. And one of the big theories, mm -hmm. particularly online, was that uh, the Knights of Ren would show up or that there might be a connection to Kylo Ren. Never happened. Might happen afterwards. I don't know. But anyway, I'm going with a simple drink called a Kylo Ren. It is uh, rye bourbon, um, uh -huh. lime juice, club soda, and then a nice little uh, lime twist as, a, as the, the trim on it. So cheers to you, sir. Mark. Mm, that'll do. All right, we'll take a quick break and we will catch you all on the other side. And welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are entering our geek out section where we geek yeah. out a little bit because it is Star Wars and we have to geek out if we're going to talk about Star mm -hmm. Wars. Mm -hmm. But don't worry, we will do this for a few minutes and then we're going to delve into the theology and politics of Ahsoka. Just in case you missed the Ahsoka bandwagon, let me tell you a little bit about the series. Star Wars Ahsoka is part of the Star Wars. 
Wars franchise, a spinoff from the series The Man in the same as that series and other interconnected spinoffs after the events of Return of the Jedi. It also serves as a continuation to the animated series Star Wars Rebels and the series... Ahsoka Tano, she invests to the galaxy and of the Empire. So uh, I, I should also say, Ahsoka Tano, uh, even though I knew her name, you know, I I, I think uh, every time someone said that, and they said, Ahsoka Tano, Ahsoka Tano, I thought, who on earth are, oh, Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano. Tano. <laughs> <laughs> Ahsoka Tano. Anyway, Ahsoka Tano is who we're talking about. So, uh, Mark, this was the second half of the season. Mark, I need to know, what do you think was uh, the best part of the second half of the season? And then why was it the zombie stormtroopers? <laughs> well, uh, is, I am, I'm not going to take anything away from you uh, on that. It, the, the, the zombie stormtroopers were absolutely fantastic. I think we were all waiting for it. It was great. I, I loved when it happened. Um I think for me, and, I, and I'll talk about this a, a little bit in my segment uh, when we go to the theopolitical, I think for me, it was Ahsoka falling into the world between worlds and the events mm -hmm. that happened in that space. For me, that was pretty significant. And there was so much running through my head when I saw it. And I I loved a lot of the things they, they did with that sequence. So for you, it was the zombie uh, stormtroopers, right? I thought that was a lot of fun, and especially the the mm. moments where they said, uh, "Has this ever happened before?" Uh, no, this is new, and no. it, it was new, <laughs> right? And I I want to know how come no, zombie stormtroopers are better shots than uh yeah. than the, when they right? lived the first. They time. actually seemed yeah. to be able to hit their target. It's really they, yeah, it's really they odd. they were more of a threat as zombies. Maybe zombies are always more of a threat. I don't know, right? Even if they're storm they're, they're certainly scarier, but aren't they supposed to be slower and you know not quite and, as intelligent? Uh, there wasn't uh, a lot of this kind of stuff. It was no, uh, yeah, yeah, it, so was it was a very like, different. Yeah, they they're reanimated it was, it was and they've got yeah. like targets. Yeah. They they're good. Like they're good. Okay, so I, I need ghost or something. So yeah, that's right. Yes. Okay, so I need yeah. to ask you something about your favorite part of the season, right. the, the right. reanimation uh, piece. Mm -hmm. um, the one one piece I'm curious about about that is yeah. how does Ahsoka stay alive? for that whole time underwater sequence happens while she's uh it seems like for a long long time how does she stay how does she stay alive while she's underwater she's a force user man there's something innate within her that kept her alive i also think that it could be um we learn in i believe it was in rebels that uh, we've talked about our, when we did this the last time about the Mortis gods, about the father, the son, and the daughter. And we learned that the daughter's spirit is now in Ahsoka, or at least part of it is, and she is somewhat eternal. Maybe not fully eternal because she has passed away, but ha has an ability to live for a very long, long time. So I think it's it's probably related to one or the other, either the, the force itself or the representation of the force that is the daughter that is now partly within her, which is going to give her some extra abilities that maybe other force uh, welders don't have. That's my that's my take on it. Did you have a thought on what was going on? 
Um, so I thought, well, you know, she's tied in with the force and all that, but she's still been underwater for a long time. But I, I'm willing to give her the bit. I'm willing to give uh, give her the benefit of the doubt and say, yes, maybe Fair both enough. of those things working together. Maybe that. Maybe that is what made it possible. But I, it was a great sequence, right, where she got to yeah. interact with Anakin, and there was a lot of talk online about uh, about seeing Anakin back. And uh, and about the de-aging technology that they yeah. used uh, in the midst of this. So tell me, what was your impression of seeing yeah. Anakin interact with Ahsoka and the de-aging technology that they yeah. used? I am not the biggest fan of the de- of de-aging in general. Now, maybe that's mm-hmm. because the first many times that we saw it, particularly in Star Wars, it was kind of weird. Like, mm-hmm. they, they still didn't look human. There was this weird... deadness in the eyes and we're and and this time around i think that they've really made great advancements he looked a lot like i expected him to look there was life in the eyes um as long as they're using the original actor in some way or actress and using them and have their consent and they're working along with them i kind of like it i think it's kind of cool uh my only problem is i do think star wars seems to have this incredible resistance to recasting characters so they use technology to try to uh, deal with it and i i think we're gonna see their hand force because uh, balen uh, as we know ray stevenson had passed away before this series was released he plays a very important role right up to the very end of this so much so that the second season which i believe we're going to be getting uh, needs him in it and they're going to Mm -hmm. need to recast him so uh I, i I think that it's time for them to be okay with recasting and doing that, even if we're doing uh, um, um, looking back into the past and needing to recast the actor, so that it's someone who's similar enough, but we're not having to deal with all the technology. I mean, maybe there's too much of a purist in me that way. I'm not sure. What do you think? I I like the qualifications you gave because that that was my impression as well. But I I'm okay with de aging as long as we've got consent from the actor and stuff because I yeah. think that's one of the things that we've been learning from the writer strike and, uh, and actor strike and all is that like okay we we need to ensure that um, that that people are that the actors are you know being rewarded for for this role and uh, you yeah. know I think all the way back to Back to the Future 2, when Crispin Glover was kind of recast and they put on that that mask of his face, you know, and he mm-hmm. sued uh, on uh, on behalf of, of himself and other actors. And that set some precedents yeah. for, uh, you Absolutely. know, what Hollywood is able to do with someone else's likeness. So I think you're right that it's I liked seeing Hayden Christensen back. I thought that that was a nice touch. I thought that he played a significant role. It wasn't just fan service. Uh, it, in fact, oh, yeah. it, it kind of redeemed him uh, a little bit in that character you know there as you know there was so much uh, backlash uh, after the the prequels that actually as time has gone on uh, people have changed their minds some yeah. about that and particularly it's... i think hayden christensen's performance as anakin and yeah. so i liked i, I liked seeing him and uh you know, in, in regards to uh, the recasting, I think one of the reasons why the Star Wars franchise is is hesitant about that is because uh, one of the major ways that we've we've seen that, or one of the major times we've seen that, is in, in the Solo movie, uh, which just performs so poorly. Um, but I, I think that there was a lot. A lot of reasons. It had very little to do with the recasting. Like it wasn't even a brilliant recasting. 
but the actor did a very fine job and he had lots of the mannerisms i bought him fully as so even though visually there wasn't quite all of that going on there was just a lot of other things going on there i disagree i think there's a different reason yeah. uh, a, a much more corporate reason i think it's merchandising i think that this is all about they've got all of these products out there that already have the likeness of other yeah. people on them and they don't want to have to have two of them out there with two different faces and then you're competing with yourself and i just think that it's a little bit there's probably a little bit of corporate greed going on here that's influencing it unfortunately that's my take that's, on it I don't know. that's a that's a great segue because I want that because uh, merchandising has been uh, famously a part of yeah. Star Wars, right? And absolutely, maybe most notably in Return of the creating the Ewoks primarily to. Um, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering about uh, and I mean in the Mandalorian, I love the Mandalorian and stuff, but mm -hmm. we've got to admit that a big part of Grogu is selling toys to kids my my daughters i've got two mm -hmm. two daughters and they have never seen anything star wars other than lego star wars and yet we have grogu all around our house <laughs> because they love grogu my daughter has they a grogu backpack and lunchbox and all this stuff be, because it's the merchandising right well yeah, do you think you. what tell me what you think about the uh the turtle-ish characters uh, <laughs> that are that are in these uh, the last episode or two. Uh, what do you what yeah. do you think about them? Uh, are they Ewokish? I don't think they're Ewokish. They're not quite as adorable. Their little talk is a little adorable. They're kind of weird uh, and kind of like uh, I. I it makes a lot, they make a sense as nomad characters, you know, because they're, that's the kind of point that this is a dangerous land and that they're having to move about a lot and to have this kind of external shell that they can uh, um, protect themselves in and disguise themselves. So no, I, I didn't, Grogu, I'm a hundred percent on board immediately. The moment I saw Grogu, I went, oh, I wonder why we did that. Uh, although I'm really <laughs> glad they did because I love the character now, but I was very yeah. cynical, very cynical about it at first. But no, I don't think that they, I don't see them fitting that neatly into that category. They're just not that cute. They're interesting. They're different. But I, I feel like they serve, like, it, they make sense within the framework of where they are and what they're doing, how they, they live as nomads. I don't know. You know I, it sounds like it sounds like you were a little more cynical about it than me. Yeah, I mean, they felt a little Ewokish to me, but uh, mm -hmm. but I also like their I also like their um, philosophy, right? That they were. They were not fighters. They were pacifists, and right. um, and maybe Ren or Ahsoka. I can't remember. Said I think it was Ren. Said, "Well, don't they have anything stronger than slingshots or whatever?" And uh, he said, "No, they're they're not fighters." And she said, "Well, how are they going to survive?" And he says, "They've managed this long." And this I think that that's a, a a good a good commentary on pacifism. So you know, hey, yeah, what I would like to see merchandising of Mark. The space whales. Wouldn't you love to see Pergola. some space whales? Purgle. Yeah. Yeah, the Purgle. Yeah, oh, I think they're incredible. Yeah. Now, can you imagine a giant plush Purgle? Like yeah, all I would, of the dark purples and, and, and sparkles yeah. from the sky. Ah, I think that I put that in my office. <laughs> oh, I would too. There's there's so much opportunity there. I love that. Yeah, I think that you're onto something. You should contact Star Wars and say, hey, uh <clears throat> Make sure I, I want the merchandising rights for that, please. Uh, I'm, I'm right? sure they would be very uh, willing to do that. Okay. Um, sure. One of the other very questions that I had was: uh, we get these these uh, these witches 
these these ah, mothers yes. Yes. Uh, introduced yes. here. And um, yep. I'm curious uh, what you think about the use of witches and magic. We've seen more introduction of, of magic over the years in the Star Wars universe. Uh, what do you think about that generally? What do you think about that for the... Well, for the I think it's absolutely a horrible thing. And, and I think it's there just to try to pull people away from Christianity. We are, we are, they're, they're trying to create problems <laughs> for our kids. <laughs> <laughs> be in Star Wars. You gotta be in it. Yeah, we gotta Save ban Star kids. Wars because those witches, those witches are gonna are gonna destroy our children and make it. I think it's brilliant. I I love this new use of the Force, um, bringing that in. You know, it, it was essentially essentially uh, relegated to legends in the world. I love that Filoni's bringing it back in, and we're getting this, seeing that. Yes, the force is everywhere, but not everyone uses it the way that Jedi's use it. There are lots of other ways to tap into it and use it. <clears throat> I'm hopeful that we're going to see that, much like with the Jedi, you can have good and bad magic with a K mm -hmm. uh, force users. Uh, and I love what they brought to the storyline so far. Uh, I, I think it's very interesting. Um, the fact that they're now traveling by, you know, Palpatine was yeah. just scared out of his mind um of of uh, of of the night sisters the witches the night sisters and he banished them and sent them away um i love that th that we're seeing a storyline where thrones are bringing them back to the main galaxy and we're going to get to see something happen with them if i had to make my bet those those ca caskets or ca or cases mm -hmm. that he's loading onto his spaceship mm -hmm. on, to bring back I think that it is chock full of sleeping night sisters and that mm -hmm. we're going to see a night sister army, which would be incredible to see. And, and there's so many possibilities with the magic element in it. What did, what did you think? I mean, other than the fact that you're not going to let your kids see it cause you don't want to corrupt them away from you. Christianity. Oh, Christianity, right, that's of, right. right. And I'm actively leading a, uh, an effort to ban all Star Wars in, in schools. No, I'm not. I, I just, I'm just, just joking about that. No, I, I actually, I think, I think both the fact that uh, that these witches were in this uh, this series and the fact that they actually traveled to a different galaxy are going to be very <laughs> important for the future of Star Wars. So one thing that really impressed me about this uh, this season of Ahsoka is that it was bold and it took some chances mm -hmm. uh, and it really moved did. Star Wars in some different directions. And I think that's important for keeping things interesting and not just rehashing things over and over again. And I know that, you know, George yep. Lucas likes to talk about the echoes of, you know, right. uh, on one series it's on like the other. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Yes, is what he says. that's yeah. right. It rhymes. Yeah. And so... Um, I, and I get that, but I also like that there's some new movements happening in the yeah. poems that we're hearing, and right. I think that's important to keep people um, to keep people interested. So, Completely hey, uh, you and I could geek out about Star Wars all day, oh, and yeah. we definitely would, given the the opportunity. But you know what? <laughs> we also need to talk about the theology. This is of true. Politics of Ahsoka. We take just another quick break. Talk about the Theo Politico.
welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for our Theopolitico segment. And I'm going to jump right in on this. As I told you in kind of our pre-show, Caleb, I've got kind of a long wind-up to my question. So I want to go ahead and get spit my words out so we can get to your responses because I'm really curious about your take on some of this. Um, At the end of episode four, I think it was episode four, Ahsoka falls off of a cliff, possibly to her death. At least we're left to believe that. But in episode five, we learned that she not only has fallen like uh, into water, something that I, I want us to come back to, but that she is in the world between worlds, which we've been introduced to a couple of times already throughout uh, Star Wars, where in this one, she meets her old master, Anakin, and uh, essentially ends up with this uh, uh, opportunity to finish her training with him, which she walked away from. And the way I see it, there are basically two main lessons Uh, that he's trying to teach her here that she learns. And the first one happens as they revisit a battle that where they were while she was uh, still like a young Padawan. And in it, Mm -hmm. Anakin is constantly telling her that they need to fight. They need to fight. We have to keep fighting. But she resists him in the teaching that he's trying to do and says, Mm -hmm. and, and says, talks about how the Jedi are supposed to be like peacekeepers. But he still says, uh, we 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 have to fight. If you don't fight, you're going to die. And then in the next shot, after he tells her that, he rushes into sort of this fog, and we see an outline of him first, but then we see an outline of Darth Vader. With that yeah. full setup that they gave us, what do you think they're trying to tell us here? Yeah, the, he. I mean, it was his own actions and this constant um, inclination towards violence that led him to the dark side of the force. And so, you know, the the force is supposed to ultimately be about balance, right? And I, when it, whenever we hear about Jedi, we hear not only about them being peacekeeper pe- peacekeepers, but also about them being people of balance. And so, right. I think just like. In all of our lives, balance is important. Like walking the middle path is important, as the Buddhists would say, or moderation is important. But like not not allowing ourselves to get worse uh, is really important. And so, uh, whenever I I saw that, I'm like, oh, they're they're telling us something significant here. They're they're telling yeah. us that uh, what yeah. led him to the force, what or to the dark side of the force. Uh, in part, uh, because I mean, we know his broader story, but in part was right. this this inclination towards violence and this inclination uh, towards mm-hmm. continual motion. And uh, and uh, I think we saw the the wisdom there uh, of Ahsoka even as a young child. What what did you make yeah. of that scene? No, it, it felt like they were pulling back the veil to the lesson that there's yep. no fork in the road of violence that leads to peace, mm-hmm. kind of thing. It mm-hmm. makes me think of Jesus's words of all that take up the sword will die by the the sword um which which leads me to my my next question like that's a teaching of yeah. a lot of great spiritual thinking yeah it is yeah what is it about the human mentality about about humanity in general that there it seems to be this constant rush to violence what what's that all about i mean we see the cycle repeating itself all the time uh, yeah right now we're seeing it in israel with hamas uh, that that cycle of violence repeating itself, uh, uh, um, and and without taking yeah. sides, we're seeing a people who have have experienced near extinction trying to extinguish yeah. another group of people who started the you know who was occupied, but also uh, launched yeah. a great amount of violence at them. There, we see. I'm I'm saying that as a cycle that we're seeing, and I'm yeah. curious, what is it about humanity that we always have this rush to violence? 
Yeah, so I think evolutionarily speaking, like we are we are wired to think in tribal terms. And this is a conversation I had sure. uh, with folks, uh, with a lot of folks, but folks even yesterday yeah. after church, is it like we are wired to, to want to be with people who are like us because for, you know, a long, long time, that's how we survived. And so it's just yep. been over the past few thousand years that we have been organizing ourselves into societies where we've needed to kind of... Uh, put aside differences and get along. Mm -hmm. And I think our brains are still learning how to do that. And so I think whenever there is any kind of an action that harms someone who we determine is like us in some way, that yeah. our brain, our wiring up there makes us want to go into camps. And so let's use Israel-Palestine as an example. Sure. I think we've we've seen that as as the news against the, uh, you know, about this, this Hamas attack has, has yeah. come out. Well, like there's a lot of people lack the context of like the state of Israel right. oppression of Palestine, and especially, I mean, for for at least the past 15 years. But I mean, ever since the at displacement least, yeah. in 1948, right, uh, when, when right, two thirds of people in the Gaza in Gaza are uh, displaced people from the Arab Israeli war in 1948. And so mm -hmm. um, so people just have a knee jerk reaction and they get into yep. camps without full understanding of what's going on and and certainly without the complexity. And I mean, I think we've seen that uh, in the United States. You know, I've had friends that at uh, Israeli, uh, pro-Israeli rallies and friends at pro-Palestinian rallies uh, with, and I, I, I think that people fail to see that, uh, that like, you know, a peaceful solution has to include the liberation of Palestine, that you can't have Absolutely. peace when there's oppression. And so, um, so yeah, I think, I think it's the wiring. I think that's part of it. That one thing religion does when it's at its best is try to help us rewire our brains to stop, think, and, and, and come to a peaceful solution. What's, what's your take on why we continue to see this? Yeah, I agree. When religion's at its best, it helps us uh, unwire that. Unfortunately, I think a lot of religion, particularly Christianity, even we're seeing it in Islam, we're seeing it a lot. It, right now, we're seeing it in Judaism as well, uh, is wired to go back to that lizard brain tribalism protective mode. Um, and honestly, I, I'm, I'm going to be a little judgmental here. I, th I think a lot yeah. of that goes back to um, that violence is easy. Violence is immediate. Violent has a instant gratification. Peace takes time. Peace takes forethought, mm. Uh, mm -hmm. planning, structuring, seeing and understanding everyone in the situation and the complexity of the system and figuring out how it puts it fits together and and having to work towards and struggle and sometimes going forwards and sometimes going backwards. It's not easy. It's a longer road, but it's a yeah. better road in the long run run i think hmm. i'm going to keep moving on mm -hmm. we could we, I, we could yeah. just focus on this the whole time uh, in a slightly related question though so balin is goes through his own sort of struggle throughout this series uh, and you kind of hear it when he's like it'd be a shame to have to kill her like he doesn't really want to kill her and, and then he feels this call from the land that he's in and uh, ultimately he he uh he tells sabine Wren, he's like uh, what not sabine uh um Shin, Shin Hati, yeah. uh, says, what I seek is a beginning, so I may finally bring this cycle to an end. So my question is, can we bring the cycle of violence to an end, 
or is humanity doomed to repeat it over and over again? Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I found that very poignant because he had been talking about rise and falls of empire uh, mm-hmm. in the midst of that. And, uh, you know, I, I, could, I couldn't help but think about like the United States and our role as empire and yeah. how long mm-hmm. the United States is going to be around as he was talking about that. And so yeah. I think the only way that we bring any cycle of violence to an end is by uh, trying to live into, um, you know, uh, what Jesus called the reign of God, what Martin Luther King Jr. called the beloved community, but like right. this vision for the future where everyone is respected, where we look at people and see people not by their by their race or their ethnicity, by the language they speak, by the differences that they have from us, but, you know, as human beings with inherent worth and dignity, or if we want to use religious language as like children of God, you know, who are reflections of the divine image, whatever, whatever language we want to use, but people who are worthy just because they are human beings. And I think, I think it is, uh, it is conscious effort that we have to, we have to reform ourselves. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but, but man, that's a lot of work and like how, how everybody does that. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's something that you gotta, like, you've got to put a a mental block on and, and you've got to train yourself to, to rethink things. And then, and then aside from that, that we then have to, um, past policies to reinforce like how do we guard the inherent worth and dignity of every person and honestly we're not doing real great with that here in the united states mark and and the united states is one of the better places i mean if we're looking globally so i i don't know no, do I, I completely no i completely agree and i think you're right on the money on all of that uh, i i think it's a long road that like i said Earlier, I think pe- that war and, and violence is fast. Peace is a longer road, and mm-hmm. that we are on that road. That we are enlightening minds, and we are working towards that. Uh, we, we we as humans want immediate responses and immediate, but mm-hmm. I think that we are working on it. There are so many folks out there are, that are who are, are being awoken to the importance of peace and the path it takes to get there. I'm going to keep moving on because there's another, the second part of what I think was trying to be taught there. So Ahsoka has a chance to kill Vader in this, uh, in this, what happens in in the world, the war world between worlds, Mm -hmm. but she ends up throwing her lightsaber away, kind of like uh, Luke in return of the, of the Jedi. Uh, And when she throws it away, she says, I choose to live. I think that's the other lesson mm-hmm. that he's trying to teach her here, that surviving mm-hmm. isn't the same as living, which I think is related to all the things that we've been talking about. And while I think that's an important thing to, for us to, to remember as individuals, I'm curious to hear what role you think that kind of thinking, that surviving isn't the same as living, what that kind of thinking, what role that plays in issues of social justice. Yeah, so like a lot of people are are like surviving, um, but but they're not able to 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 live or or to thrive. I mean, I think what I think what the gospel is about at its heart is about being able to thrive, having what you need to be able to thrive. And so let's yeah. take indigenous peoples, for instance. Last Monday was Indigenous Peoples Day. Mm-hmm. Um, how about in, indigenous folks who? Um, who are not given what they need by the U.S. government. They have been 
you know, generation after generation stripped of, of the resources that they had that they need to right. be able to not only just like be alive, but to be able to thrive in the world. And, and you can say the same about most communities of color in the United States, all communities of color in the United States. And I think that at its heart, that's what the idea of reparations is about, is about mm -hmm. saying, hey, generations of wealth have been ripped away from these groups of people and it has ripped away their ability to thrive. What are yeah. we going to do about that? So I think there's wisdom in uh, delineating uh, a difference between, uh, between just surviving and actually right. being alive yeah. and being able to thrive in the world. Yeah, I think you're right. I completely do. What do you think? No, I I, I agree with you, and I could I could extrapolate a little bit, but I'm not going to because yep. we're running short on this segment already. But we promised we would get back, or at least I promised we'd get back to the idea that she falls into water. So it seems mm -hmm. to me this lesson that we're talking about that she survived that surviving isn't the same as living seems to me that she learns this. Particularly if you just look at her personality early in the in this season, people were complaining mm -hmm. about how. Uh, Ahsoka's personality was so serious and so very different yep. from what she was in Rebels. Uh, but after this episode, the very next episode, she meets Ezra and she runs up and she hugs him and she's smiling mm -hmm. and she's joking and she's laughing. It really seems like she learns this lesson. Um, do you think there's an intentional connection with that change uh, and her new way of life? with her being submerged in water. It's baptism, right? Uh, right. <laughs> right. It's a, a not so subtle metaphor for like, right. like baptism, right? Like sure, she's, right. she's coming out of the water with a new life, a new perspective. And, uh, and I think you're right. You can definitely see the, the change in the, mm -hmm. in, in this episode, even when she decides to pursue a Sabine and doesn't yeah, judge her point. for the decisions that she's made. And, yeah. and I mean, even as she's uh, talking to um, uh, the droid, um, the young, the young, the young, yeah, who young? young, yeah. And who, who says who that, you know, that she's made, who Yang, that she said the only, she made the only decision that she could. And, and yeah. that, you know, whenever Ahsoka can confronts her about it and says, yeah, you know, I understand. I've made decisions like this too, and it's a yeah. different way of looking at the world than than she kind of had yeah. at the beginning. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the the old life is gone. The new life has begun. So, uh, we could. God, I have like five more questions that I could ask you. I'm not going to do it. We've already run over on this segment, so we're going to take a quick drop and come back to one of our favorite segments: the "Make Me Look Stupid" segment. <laughs> Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're entering our final segment for today, the Make Me Look Stupid segment, where we try to make our co-hosts look stupid or at least ask them a question that we've been wondering about. Thanks for hanging on for this long. Hang on just a little bit you know, longer. It, as as you were asking that question, I realized that in your case, you're not really trying to make me look stupid. You're just trying to underscore my stupidity. I just realized that that's... <laughs> Really, it's an easier it's an easier road for you. It really is. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I, I like it. Yeah, yeah. 
it's all perspective. It's all perspective. No, no, Mark, today, I'm sure you will look make me stupid. Um, but I, I, I don't think I, I don't think I'm gonna make you look stupid. I just I just want your perspective on something, Mark. So um, there's a conversation uh, between uh, Lord Balin and his Padawan, and um, Mm-hmm. And um, he said he, they're talking about this this new galaxy, and they they kind of and Lord Balin says stories of the galaxy are considered folk tales long forgotten. Right. To which his Padawan says, with good reason, some stories are just stories. Um, and then uh, it does turn out that that the stories are true but there's this kind of in between time where they're not sure if they're if they're true or not can you draw any parallels between that and the bible (laughs) yeah absolutely man so yeah some stories are not true i disagree that that they don't have meaning though um you know biblically is yeah we have so many stories, 66 books in the Bible told by so many people, some of them meant for all these different purposes. And some of them are based on, I mean, there's such a, a, an amazing amount of differences. Some are, are somewhat true. Some are, are based on truths and are extrapolated. Some are stories that are told to teach us lessons. But the thing that I always come back to 100 times over and over again is that while not all stories are true, all stories have truth. And that is what we get from the Bible. We get truth about what our spiritual ancestors understood their relationship to God to look like and what that meant to them. We get very truthful stories of how they understood that. And then we get stories that people try to relate about this person named Jesus that they experienced or heard stories about and was significant to them in a way that they wanted to make sure that other people understood and were able to learn and grow from it. So um, I don't think stories should ever be forgotten. And I don't think there's ever any truth that stories sometimes don't have meaning. They always, always have meaning. I mean, yeah. what would be your choice? I think that's important, Mark, because I, I think especially as I hear people deconstructing and um, doing mm-hmm. a lot of work on, you know, uh, basically giving up biblical inerrancy and saying, you know, well, OK, if this isn't the literal word of God, then is it all just fairy tales that are made up? And I think the distinction that you gave is very helpful for people who are on that journey is that like, OK, you don't have to believe that the bible is inerrant to believe that it has value even that even that it can be one of the most significant books in your life to to guide the way you live your life it's just that it's just a different way of of looking at it and and looking at the stories and and recognizing that yeah that maybe some of them have more value than others uh, for our lives in the 21st century that uh, that maybe some of them have different points uh, than right. than others, and that it's and that that's okay, and that some. Are you, are you are, saying that Horace historical criticism matters? That that's I, a thing. I, I think I think I am arguing for <laughs> biblical historical criticism. Wow! Yes, that wow! I, I think wow, you I know it's shocking. <laughs> I know, I know, it's really shocking that I would care about <laughs> such a thing. But I feel like that's a lot of the work we do yeah. in in church and in progressive mm-hmm. Christianity is to say, like, 
you don't have to throw the baby out with bathwater, that you can still yeah. uh, find meaning in this. But, but to do it in a way that's authentic, that allows you to understand what people were actually talking about, and maybe that's more authentic to the text than pretending like God wrote it. Uh, the, when, I mean, obviously, people who were writing it didn't, didn't think that. Okay, so thank you for helping me understand that, Mark. Do you have a question for yeah, me? I'm sure that I have greatly advanced your understanding of it. <laughs> I suspect that you, you, uh, you probably could uh, uh, add an amazing amount to the little tiny window that I opened there. <laughs> I'm sure we can both talk about this for a very long time, but All right, that's fair. you've that's got fair. it, but that's you're fair. going to make me look stupid now. So well, I don't know. We'll see. So um, I, I loved what, near the end of the, mm -hmm. the season. Yeah. We end up with Balin going out on his own, pursuing mm -hmm. this, whatever is calling him. Yeah. Uh, and we see him on this massive statue of a man pointing in a direction uh, and he walks out to the 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 end of that hand uh and looks in the direction it's pointing what do you think Balin is looking for at the end of the episode episode what 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 is it that was calling him that he's looking for and seeking out I don't think um, I don't think he knows yet what he's looking for, other than just uh, feeling a sense of it's feeling like the force kind of calling him. I think maybe what we're going to see is more about the the origins of of Jedi and the Force and how how all of that began. So I I I think I mean you know it's complicated now that uh, the actor is dead um so uh, so we'll see what they decide to do but but i think it would be interesting to to see both maybe him have a change of heart based on what he discovers and and yeah. maybe to go to go back to uh jedi uh maybe to join uh ahsoka and sabine as they try to figure out how to get back to their own galaxy i think that would be interesting what do you think mm. is happening what do you think he's looking at um, you know, I, I think it's tied back to his, um, you know, he's been on this pursuit and, and I think incorrectly where he wants to see everything be okay. He wants to bring, he ultimately weirdly wants to bring peace to the galaxy. He happens to think that the empire, you need to go with the strongest force to be able to bring peace to the empire. And so that's why he's semi sort of backing the empire and trying to bring Thrawn back and all of that. But, you know, when he says, what I seek is a beginning so I may finally bring this cycle to it. And I, I think that mm -hmm. points back to the cycle of violence. He wants peace. So I think that, that this is, this is yet again, Filoni pulling out some of the legends stuff that he's introduced to us in the Mortis gods, the father, the son, the daughter, the father has died. The son has died. The daughter is now in Ahsoka. But one of the things we haven't talked any about yet, which I think that this is, might be what's happening, is a person who's known as the mother that's obviously missing in the father, the son, and the daughter, who was a human that served the father, the son, and the daughter, was scared of losing her family, and ended up uh, taking in the font of power and the pull of knowledge. It's got lots of rings and echoes of Genesis because the gods had deemed that you couldn't do that. Um, and becomes this very powerful being that gets locked away. I think 
that that being is what he sees as the key to understanding the force, the key to understanding how to bring peace, and that that being is locked up in the world between worlds, and that the statue is pointing to that beam of light, which I think is a temple, and all of the doors to the world of worlds are at temples. I think it's pointing to the temple where the mother is locked up and that he's hoping to free her and learn from her in a way that he can bring peace and break the cycle of violence. I may be reading a whole lot too much into that. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, I'm like, I can't wait to come back to this episode whenever we talk about season two to, to, see, we'll see. to see how you did on oh, that, Mark. Yeah. So uh, I, I would love to see that. Uh, and I can't wait for season two. I think hey, who knows? A lot, of, yeah. a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. And, and I'm even excited. Like All of this is leading up to a Filoni movie, um, which is going to be The Bad Batch. It's going to be... Uh, Rebels, it's going to be this, it's going to be the Mandalorian, it's going to be so many parts. It's sort of going to be the Avengers of Star Wars. All of the characters that we know in between the original series and the the, the last three tr in, in terms of the trilogy, all of our folks are going to be there. We're going to see all of them coming together in one movie. It's going to be incredible. Probably going to be three or four years before we see it, but hey, if great it's half as good so as Avengers 2012, Woo. uh, Woo! Yeah, let's hear right. hoping, but you know how Star yeah. Wars is the track record. Absolutely. Like a Filoni seems to be doing a reasonably good job. He misses some things, but his his reimagination, his revisioning, and fixing some of the previous problems, he seems to do a reasonably good job. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm just gonna say I'm hopeful. That hopeful. Good. You're good. Yeah. That sounds that sounds like a good way to end in talking about uh the <laughs> the end of uh, Ahsoka. Being hopeful. Yeah, I enough. like that. Okay, so um we're not ready for season two of Ahsoka yet. Um not yet. but we've got to have a show next week, uh, even though yeah. I think we would both like to, you know, talk more about Ahsoka. Do you have any suggestions <laughs> on what we might talk about I next week? I actually do. I've been looking at like things that we might be able to talk about for the rest of this year. And you know, like December is full of stuff. We're going to be fine in December, November. Mm, I don't know. But in between is a little bit more difficult. We don't have a lot of new stuff coming up. So I have this idea, at least for October, for the next two weeks, why don't we do um, sort of, since Halloween's coming up, sci-fi horror kind of movies? Okay. Yeah, I, that, I like I think that. That could be fun. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. And there's one that just hit. I think it's on Netflix. I'd have to look it up to know 100. But it's a movie that came out last year from Jordan Peele, who's doing a. I am not a big horror uh, genre yeah. fan, but Jordan Peele is doing really exceptional mm -hmm. work. And yeah. uh, there's he came out with a movie last year called Nope, and, it, and the synopsis of it is basically that a man and his sister uh, discover something. Uh, sinister in the skies above their california horse ranch and while the owner of a not nearby theme park sort of tries to profit from the otherworldly phenomenon but it wreaks havoc in their lives and they all have to kind of come together in this big anyway it is interesting it's sci-fi it's hard there's jump scares i think yeah. that would be that'd be a pretty fun thing for us to cover le leading into halloween what do you think that sounds great. I love Jordan okay, cool. Peele's um, directorial style, so. and I love the yeah. way that he uses those uh, those movies as a as a way to talk about uh, what's going on in society as well. So 100%. I'm I'm game. Nope. Next week, nope. nope. Everyone has plenty of time to watch that. Nope. 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 Yes. Nope. Yes. 
Yes, 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 no. Yes to no. Nope. Okay, yes to no. Nope. We'll talk about it yes next to nope. week. But nope to the horror. Nope, nope. Wait, wait you nope gonna go the there? Nope, nope, nope. That's nope. scary. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> but yes to the sci-fi. It's sci-fi horror. Absolutely. It's gonna be good. Social yeah, commentary. Absolutely. Yes, yes to nope. Watch it, and we'll see you next time on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus, nobody.